Today we're continuing our series, Relationships Are Hard. Relationships are hard. We've covered a few different topics, but today I want to cover um, a different way that I haven't done um, during this series. I guess I could, a good way to start this would be, I remember one time I was in um, West Virginia with my family. Dad was preaching in a place called Morgantown. And in Morgantown, West Virginia, uh, Dad preached at these little hillbilly country churches, and we loved going to these churches. And I remember one night, we're getting ready before church, and I have four siblings, and we were all in this bathroom at the same time getting ready. We were pretty young. And my sister had a curling iron out, and she was uh, curling her hair, and, and she set that curling iron down in a way that it was exposed, and I was probably seven years old, maybe eight years old, and was walking around, and I, that hit the side of my arm. Uh, to be honest, I actually remember what I was doing. I was dancing and being funny, <laughs> and walked right into that curling iron, and it burned me pretty good that I've never heard a burn. You ever heard a burn? It's like, yeah, I heard the burn and uh, cried like a little baby and blamed Lashana, who's my sister, for an hour and dad never whipped her. And So long story short, you know, you got to get the band-aid. You got to like, you know, every time someone comes near, you're like, ah, ah. But to this day, to this day, if I ever see a curling iron, it's like, hey, is, is that thing on? Why don't we unplug that thing? Why don't? Because that curling iron, the one I see now, didn't burn me then, but the one that burned me then left a mark not on my body, but also on my mind. I can't help but put every curling iron in a category that I know you can burn me, and you're cousin in West Virginia did burn me. And I think if we were honest, that's kind of how it seems to be in relationships because relationship burns, they just hurt differently. Differently than business failings or maybe difficulty with a house or car issues. Just, just relational hurt is different than a lot of hurt because relationships are valuable. Relationships are value, valuable. And if you've been in a good relationship or friendship, then you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever uh, been in a good marriage or had good friends or good coworkers, a good small group leader, you can know the value they can bring into your life to pull you up and to not pull you down. Relationships are valuable, but also relationships can be painful. Relationships can be painful. When good relationships go bad, there are few burns and few pains like that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When there is in a relationship where you have expectations of it not going certain ways, and then there is betrayal, and then there is drama and broken trust, maybe there's offense, maybe there is hurt, whatever the problem may be, relationships can bring pain and have a way of leaving a mark on us. And I'm not just talking about a curling iron mark. I'm talking about it can leave trauma in your mind. It can leave pain in your heart. It could leave you whirling, wondering what happened. 
Because sometimes people we can trust so deeply, when they hurt us, it is almost like having your heart ripped out of your chest. I wish I could go around the room or talk to people who would be open, who has been open, let me say it like that, to me and have said things like, you know, he was my stepfather. I, he betrayed trust. I would tell my mother what he did, but she wouldn't believe me because the little girl didn't know that mama needed love and was willing to step over her own daughter to not lose the stepfather. And the betrayal that daughter would feel between the mother and the stepfather. This is real stuff. People who had who had put their trust in a pastor or trust in a family friend just to be betrayed. Maybe talk to someone in confidence and over time, the confidence they had began to wane. Maybe it could be just something as simple as even relational and marital problems that at one time started good till death do his part. But over time, distrust has come in and hurt has come in, and words have come in, causing there to be a sense of betrayal and brokenness and shame and anger. And these things have a way of marking us. And if you and I were honest today, I think those burns from the past, or the burns you're currently working through, have a way of adjusting the way we navigate through life. And really when you look at what happens when we're dealing with somebody in our lives, it's almost like we then, when we've been a hurt in a relationship, uh, it's like we begin to build, build a wall. It's not, it's not significant at first. It's just, it's just small. It's just one brick at a time. The first one I would say today would be Resentment. Everybody say resentment. Ephesians chapter four, verse 27 says, do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. I've preached that verse before that says something like, Give no place to the devil. And I, I oftentimes use that, in, and you can use that in a lot of different contexts, but in the scriptural context, it's actually referring to an anger. Bitterness opens the door for demonic activity, according to the word of God. That should be taken seriously. I would have a hard time believing that many of you have a Ouija board at your house right now. I'd have a hard time believing that if I were to go person to person that many of you are playing witchcraft with the kids at night before bed, right? You're not practicing casting spells on the neighbor's dog with your child at night. But I don't think I would get to the third row before I found somebody struggling with resentment. Somebody struggling with bitterness and the word of God is telling us I really believe God wants me to preach this sermon. The reason I know is because I think the devil tried to stop me from preaching it this weekend. 
So I hope you're ready for your heart to be open because there's somebody in the room who has let the wall become built up in their heart because of the bitterness in your life. It don't look like much. It starts small. It just starts insignificant. It starts minor. It starts just something little. But something gets stuck. Something gets lodged. Something just begins to slightly control you. Their presence in the room with you is like them holding the thermostat and controlling your attitude. Just scrolling social media immediately, their presence and their post can just pull something out of you that just begins to create this squirming, uncomfortable feeling. The moment somebody says their name in conversation, the moment somebody says something to you, you feel this and the Bible says you're opening yourselves up to the enemy. One study said that many hospital patients could go home tomorrow. This is a study. If they dealt with resentment in their life and guilt in their life. According to medical research and psychology research, they believe that if people had less walls, they would be less sick physically. Are you hearing me today? I don't think the wall just ends there. I think there are a few more pieces of brick that we use. Here's another one, is that we just pick up. It starts with that squirming. It starts with that bitterness. It starts with that small little thing we feel towards somebody, that little twinge. And I believe it can move easily to retaliation. This is the hitting back. This is the texting back. Well, I'll just tell them. This is the fighting back. This is blow for blow. This is the retaliation attitude that when somebody you feel wrongs you, we begin to become upset and launch back, creating more walls in our lives. First Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says, don't pay back evil for evil or insult for insult. Are you with me today? Instead, give blessing in return. You were called to do this so that you might inherit a blessing. Retaliation is this immediate, I'm gonna tell them, and we just put another piece of wall up and we just get in their face, and we just say what we wanna say, and we do what we wanna do, we get the lawyer paper drawn up, we call everybody, we just get really, am I talking to anybody? Here's the temptation of this sermon, you think I'm talking to somebody else. I'm talking to you. <clears throat> I think there's another piece of brick that we can put up. Actually, there's four R's today, so you could almost see that you're walled in with these, with these words. Here, here's another one is gonna be, that I've seen a lot, I'm sure you've dealt with or seen, is revenge. A little different than retaliation. Retaliation is immediate, I'm gonna tell them, I'm gonna say this. Revenge is when you don't want their well-being. You don't want them to prosper. You don't want them to turn out good. You don't want their business to prosper. You don't want their marriages to prosper. And you just find little ways in little conversations with somebody else to pull that person down. 
You find little ways to, to tarnish their reputation. You find little ways just to try to slide in and you feel in your heart the moment I ever get. Talk back to me, church. I'm okay with you being quiet today. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. It's easy to build this wall. Here's another, this is really easy. Here's another one I think that happens is, is once we get into relationships and we've been broken and we've been hurt, here's the fourth R, is we feel regret. We just feel like, what if this, what if I just, what if I never went to that church? I would have never had the opportunity to be hurt. What if I never went there with them? What if I never was, what if I just never trusted them? Why did I let them into my inner circle? Why did I let them so close to my wife? Why did I let her have his number? Why did we go down that track? Why did my mother not believe me? Why, 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 why? Why and what if has a way you feel shame and embarrassment and what happens is we just build a wall. The, good, the, the, the difficult thing about a wall is that you've, I guess you could say you've got all the bad people out, but now you've also kept all the good people out. And here's what happens here a lot of times. I'm just gonna show you the Bible, is that okay? Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews, that when people have a, an interaction that causes harm or offense, watch what the Bible says, Luke, or Hebrews chapter 12. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness, poisonous is what the word of God calls it, a root of bitterness grows up to what? Trouble you, comma, corrupting many. So bitterness, walls being built, resentment, retaliation, revenge, and regret does not stop with you. According to the word of God, it first troubles you, then corrupts many. Because the natural inclination of bitterness, hear me today, is to invite other people to help build your wall or you will have other people build their wall. Because bitterness doesn't stay at home. One of the worst gifts you could ever give your children is a grudge. I have watched over the years so much, hear me today, and it could happen to me, so much secondhand offense. <clears throat> I could easily convince my son, don't ever go near a curling iron again. And at his age, he'd be so, he'd be like, yeah, curling iron, that'll kill you. <laughs> we can convince our coworkers, and you, we can convince people in prayer groups. Hear me today, I'm trying to help you. 
I feel the Holy Spirit while I'm preaching. I don't know if you feel him sitting because I feel like somebody's heart has been damaged and what they're doing is they've built a wall and now what they've done is invited other people in it and now you've somehow got your wife turned against your coworker, you got your husband turned against the pastor, you got your kids turned toward the grandparents, you got the grandparents mad at the granddaughter. Everybody feels this tension because offense doesn't does trouble you, it corrupts them. So we hit this wall, we have our back against the wall. We feel safe, but hear me today, you're isolated. And if you are honest before God, you are bitter, you have resentment, you have, you have distrust. You've built this wall around you and you feel secure and you feel safe. But can I tell you according to the word of God, it's one thing that I preached last week about using caution and using uh, discernment and wisdom on who you're allowed close to you. I'm not necessarily speaking about that. I'm speaking about the harbored offenses, the, the, the anger, the bitterness, the resentment that we feel in our heart toward others. And we build these walls, and today, according to the word of God, I think we have to know this is not God's best for our lives. This is not how you're gonna prosper in your life. This is not how you're gonna get better in your life. This is not gonna take your kids to the next level. Living like this is not gonna make your marriage any better. Living like this is not gonna make your prayers any more confident. Living like this will never help your faith. Living like this will never help your praise. Living like this is a limited way of living and according to the word of God, when we close in that wall, sounds like the devil's on the inside with us. A Barna research said that 92% of Christians disagree how the Bible defines forgiveness. 92%. Meaning that what I'm gonna show you in a minute, 92% of people, meaning literally the minority in this room, believe what I'm about to teach. This is an easy place for people to slip because they've been taught how to forgive by their mothers, by their fathers, by their friends, by social media, by culture. But can I tell you something? They may, good, they may be good people, but they are not the word of God. What does God's word teach us? What does God's word say to us today to be forgiving when we've built these walls up? Now, I'm gonna give you three things Three things that I believe helps us forgive others. Begins the process of forgiveness. And I believe today, by the help of the Holy Spirit, you can walk out here with a whole new fresh perspective to help knock down some walls in our lives. Amen, everybody? Now, this list of three starts easy and gets harder. If you're taking notes, I want you to write all this down. Number one, receive God's forgiveness. This is the first step. The Bible says that his love surpasses knowledge, meaning that you could spend a whole lifetime studying the word of God, learning about his love for us, and it would still never be enough, and you could never fully grasp the love of God. 
What I have learned is that the love of God is oftentimes generalized by many, but personalized by few. So we know the verse, God so loved the world. We know that, but do we actually believe that God so loved me? That God so loved Ethan, that God so loved Pastor Tyson, that God so loved Jonathan, that God so loved Jason, that God so loved Haley. Do we, do we actually believe it, or do we just know it? Do we actually personalize what the Word of God says? Ephesians chapter two, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, chapter two, verse one. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God, verse four. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved Ethan so much Loved you so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. That's a good place to clap. We were, according to this world, or this word, we were dead in our disobedience and sin. We were subject to the devil's influence, floating downstream with the demonic powers of this world, but God, rich in mercy and love, stepped into the story. God saw the separation between us and him. He knew that you and I couldn't scale the wall. He knew that you and I couldn't walk around it. He knew that you and I, in our own power, in our own intellect, in our own, in our own abilities, in our own good works, we could never jump the wall. But 2,000 years ago, on Easter weekend, God sent his son, and when Jesus went to the cross, the Bible says the veil ripped in the temple, and he tore down the wall between God and between man. The Bible says that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I know you've clapped a lot, and I know you're tired, and I know you praise through worship, but is there anybody in the room thankful that when you were on one side, God found you, pulled you over to his side, knocked down the walls of hostility, and said, I love them, I forgive them, I'll bless them, I'll heal them, I don't wanna be away from them no more. Come on, give him praise, give him glory. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He Why we're saved is not because we're lovable. It's because he's loving. That the walls of hostility between us and God with our sin and our shame and our disobedience and our wicked ways were, de uh, were demolished simply by his actions, and all I had to do was have faith, call on the name of the Lord, I will be saved. We got the best end of the deal on this thing. Calvary, I know, is a cross. Calvary, I've been there as a mountainside, but really what it could have been is a heap of rubble where the wall fell down. 
where all of humanity now has access to the throne of grace, where God's presence becomes available to you and me, not because you checked every box and was available and perfect to get in. It's because God pulled the curtain back and said, come to me through my blood, I'm letting you in. Through your broken, though you're broken and you're messed up, by my strength, by my power, you're being brought into the family. The Bible says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. This is paramount for us to forgive others. The reason we can't forgive others is because we don't fully grasp what he's forgiven us of. Capacity to forgive others comes from understanding that he has forgiven me. God tore down the wall between us, so how could we have walls between others? One of my favorite quotes I read this week, C.S. Lewis said, being a Christian, being a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. I think many of us think we're just bad mistakers. Make a little boo-boo here and there in life. But according to the word of God, you were dead wicked, lost, controlled by demonic powers before you came to Christ. And when you, Russ Walker, on Easter last year, gave your life to Jesus Christ when I preached that sermon on the courtroom, you walked from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and you're a new creature in Christ. All things have passed away. You couldn't jump that wall, but he knocked it down for you. If we knew what he's forgiven us of, really? Not just because we said a bad word at a red light, which is possible in Columbus, Mississippi. Bible teaches that we were to experience the wrath of God. I have so much more to preach. I'm just, I gotta hurry up. We were to experience the wrath of God. We were doomed and we were damned and God said, in my perfection, I'm going to forgive that because I don't wanna live in heaven without you and you live on earth without me. It is important first off to know that we need to receive God's forgiveness. Number two, we need to freely give. Freely you have received, Jesus said, you freely you give. Here's the simple concept, the forgiven, comma, forgive. The forgiven, forgive. Forgiving others is the least you can do. Forgiving others is the least you can do. God will never ask you to forgive someone else more than he has already forgiven you. God will never ask you to forgive somebody else more than he's forgiven you. If there is anybody that could hold resentment toward us, it's God. 
I've heard people say, and I want you to hear this. It's e- of course it was easy for Jesus on the cross to say, forgive them for they know not what they do. Of course it's easy. He's God. I would submit the other way. I would say it'd be harder. The Bible says he was without sin. He was perfect. He had the, he had, he was, he was the embodiment of God, the scripture says. In him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He was perfect. The Bible says, tempted in all points like as we yet without sin. A perfect deity on the cross. Humanity and deity wrapped up in one. Never sinned, never failed, never fell short. And he says, forgive them. You would think we would have more grace than God because we're just as sinful as the people we're trying to forgive. Wouldn't you think we would have more grace because we're all suffering and struggling together with our humanity? But that's not the nature of humanity. God set the standard even in his, he could have absolutely been the most arrogant, prideful, upset. He could have dropped his wrath. He could have flipped out. God could have totally brought fire down from heaven. But in his final moments on earth, he says, forgive him. Forgive him. In his perfection, he can expel grace. I'm just gonna be honest. If you were perfect, I'd have a hard time believing you could extend grace like Jesus did. Natural humanity is to become prideful. Natural humanity is to become arrogant and to become high-minded of ourselves. But what he has given us what he did on the cross, we got to give to others freely. Here's the last thing. This is the hardest. Ready? Go first. If you want to walk in forgiveness and to knock down the walls between you and other people, you have to go first. Following the examples of Jesus, God didn't wait for us to be ready for him. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He went first. Before we even knew that he existed, he went first. There's an old song they used to sing that while, I, while he was on the cross, I was on his mind. He went first. When we were lost, the Bible says that now we love him because he first loved us. I read this in my notes I found a few weeks ago. The first to apologize is the bravest. The first to forgive is the strongest. And the first to forget is the happiest. Now I want you to hear me really close what I'm about to tell you. I don't think you need closure to extend forgiveness. I don't think you need an apologize, an apology from the offending party to extend forgiveness. Well, Pastor Ethan, then they won't know what they did. Then they're getting off scot-free. They hurt me. They've offended me. Some people are broken and hurt and burned from relationships, and that person's been dead for five years. You're never getting an apology. You're never getting an I'm sorry. You're never getting it. And hear me today. 
I don't think you need to have reconciliation, retribution, reconnection for there to be forgiveness. Pastor Ethan, what if I, what if I do this and, and, and I'm taking the high road? Is that what we're doing now? Yeah. What if they get off scoffer? What if they just think, they just go through life not knowing they've hurt me and damaged me? Romans chapter 12. Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. For he has said that he will repay those who deserve it. Don't take the law into your own hands. What I just read was the New Testament. God is saying for the injustice you've received, it is my responsibility to deal with them. If you just get out of my way, I'll deal with them. You forgive them. In closing, Corey Tenboom, a Dutch watchmaker, her and her sister and her family members were known for helping Jewish people escape from Nazi Germany during the Holocaust and World War II. They were eventually captured and brought to what was called Ravensbrück. Corey Tenboom and her family resisted the Nazis by hiding Jews in their home. They were ultimately discovered and sent to concentration camp, concentration camp. Corey barely survived until the end of the war. Her family members died in captivity. Years later, after she was able to get out, she was speaking at a church in that area. And she noticed a balding man in a gray coat near the rear of the basement room. And she had been speaking on the subject of God's forgiveness, but her heart froze within her when she recognized the man in the back. She could picture him as the man she had seen for all those many months. He was a Nazi guard from her particular place in the camp. He was the cruelest of all guards. She had suffered the most horrible indignities from this gentleman. And even her own sister died at his hands. At the end of the talk, she writes in her book that that man comes to the front of her, comes to the front to her and says, that was a great talk, extends his hand, and she just stares at him. She said it felt like hours that his hand was extended. He looked at her and said, I was a guard at Ravensbrook. Of course, she already knew. Hand still extended. She said, my heart is beating so hard out of my chest that I can't believe I'm sitting here looking at the man who had tortured and killed so many, including my own family, and I just preached on God's forgiveness. And he kept his hands out. She sat there and he looked at her and said, will you please forgive me? And Corey Ten Boom stood there 
what she said felt like ours. She knew in her heart, God had forgiven me so much. She writes in her book that she extended her hand and when their hands clasped, she said it felt like electric current ran through my arm and hit our hands and tears flowed out my eyes. And I told her, I forgive you. I'm afraid there are too many people that have church attendance, who have Bibles, who are bringing their kids to the house of God, but have built so many walls and are living less than God's best. And what you need to do is extend your hand today and say, I forgive you. You may not be able to shake their hand. You may not be able to send a text yet. You may not be able to have that connection again. But somebody needs to be free once and for all. And it's time to knock the walls down today. <laughs> Pastor Ethan, I, I know that's good for everybody else. But if you knew my story, if you really knew, can I tell you something? You're probably right. If I really knew what you struggled with, if I really knew the injustices that you've experienced, I, I don't know what I would do. But I know what the Word of God says. And here's what I know about forgiveness. It is a step of faith. And I don't think it's a one-time decision. I think it is a daily process of, of surrendering those emotions and surrendering that irritation and saying, God, you've forgiven me of so much, I forgive them. For some, you've got to forgive you. For some of you today, you're not mad at anybody. You're mad at yourself. And today I've come to tell you, God's forgiven you. You don't have a higher standard over your life than God if God stooped down to save you who are you to keep these walls on your own life and shame and guilt here's what I want you to know that only really strong people can forgive and forgiveness does not change the past but it does change the future so here's what I want you to you to stand with me all over the room. As you can see, we have, I, I wanted to do something today. At the front of the church today, we have a bunch of broken brick. And I don't know if it could be just one of you. If it's just one of you, that's fine. I believe I was supposed to preach this sermon today. I believe the devil tried to stop me from preaching this sermon. I was sick all day yesterday. I had cold chills laying in a blanket. Then I went to urgent care, and they give you these shots, and to God be the glory. <laughs> to God be the I don't know what's in those things, but woo! I want to know the street name for those things. <laughs> Just kidding. I shouldn't have said that part. Okay. <laughs> I really do think, I was told my wife, I couldn't, I was laying in bed, I told my wife, if there's a sermon I need to preach, it's this sermon. 
There are people in this room that you have been battling and you have been bound and you're upset at your father. And it may not be much. He didn't have to do much. Sometimes this burns happen. You're upset at your mother. You're upset at somebody. You're holding something. It could even be at yourself. In fact, it could even be at God. Have you ever had to ask God to forgive you for you being upset with him? Here's all I want. If you're willing to begin the process of forgiveness today, I would love for you to step out of your seat, come to the front, grab one of these. I don't care if you have to grab two or three. I want you to grab these and grab one of these and go back to your seat. We're going to pray today. This is the beginning that every time you see this, you're reminded that God knocked the wall down for me. Every time you see this, you're going to be reminded that I'm knocking the walls down for others. Every time you see these bricks, you're going to know that God is a healer and He's that I need to heal others, that I need to not be the person holding, holding anger and bitterness. I want to be free today. They're already coming. I want you to make your way. 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 Today, I forgive you. Mac, is that you? I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. Wash me. Cleanse me. Heal me. I need forgiveness. If today you're walking down and you need a greater understanding of God's love for you, grab a brick and remind yourself, God's forgiven me. God's forgiven me. God's forgiven me. God's washed me. God's cleansed me. I see, I see people wiping tears this morning. This is a holy moment. This is a holy moment. Today, in the name of Jesus, we're taking these in faith. We're, li we're leaving it here. All things are passing away. All things are becoming new. We pray and believe it. I ask that you don't leave the auditorium just yet. Stay in this moment of prayer. In the name of Jesus. I feel chains are breaking today. Emotional damage is breaking today. Trauma is relieving. It's leaving the building today. In the name of Jesus. Anger and bitterness and resentment. I command it to go in the name of Jesus. Come on.